Hey, later on we're going to explain what's happening in the stock market right now with an elaborate Taylor Swift analogy. We'll talk about Virgil Abloh and why art is so incredibly expensive. We'll discuss whether buying replicas of art is ethical or not. And we'll find out why books smell so freaking good. AKA the real mysteries of the universe. Make sure you stick around. Welcome to Opinions That No One Asked For or Atnof. My name is McKay. And my name is Jordan. Mm. <laughs> and this is a show where two store brand uh, Kirtland Signature guys sit down and give their opinions on basically anything from Ron Weasley to uh, 90s hairstyles mm. to how many chicken nuggets in one day is too many. The answer is infinity. <laughs> As a... A chicken connoisseur yourself yeah. you can attest to that i don't know if it kind of is a connoisseur if it's i eat it a lot <laughs> <An> addiction <laughs> i eat it a lot but i have really low standards i don't know if that counts give the nugs <laughs> give me the nugs so tyson <laughs> <laughs> um later on we're going to talk a little bit about design and why it be like it do <laughs> It always do be like that. <laughs> she be don't like it. it. <laughs> uh, she do um how was your week good okay cool thanks for listening to we'll see you next week (laughs) thanks guys um the week been slammed i probably will sound i'm talking slower so i'm definitely yeah more tired but um not actually hung over i didn't mean it (laughs) don't worry mom i'm not drinking (laughs) um yeah i had like five or six interviews today which was good it was a lot of fun and it was just nice to talk with a bunch of people uh via zoom um yeah, that's true huh that's kind of weird yeah think about the fact that you're probably just sitting in your room the whole time huh yeah but it was like it was fun just to talk to random people from sure elsewhere so it was cool i had a, I had a, a good time but what if, if you could land any of those jobs which one would you want to land i really want there's a sustainability coordinator position um at our school have we disclosed our school at BYU at Utah school at Utah <laughs> at undisclosed Utah school <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I'm really hoping for that position I like it a lot what does that mean like what does it mean to be I, I like I'm aware of what sustainability is what would it mean to like work as a sustainability coordinator I'm just kind of imagining th- I mean this is obviously not what it is but just yeah. someone walking through the business and someone puts their paper not in the recycle and then they <laughs> slap them in the face yeah that's like that's really put what it the, put it in the recycling <laughs> that's like actually what i want to do is just like slap people all day yeah just through violence um so in this position i'd be working with like the head sustainability coordinator here at undisclosed utah school <laughs> and um for all they know we're done elementary school Who knows? <laughs> but basically it's just helping this school's i gotta say it helping byu's efforts and being more sustainable um, huh. as well as economical cool. so helping with projects with that um marketing to students to get on board teaching people and teachers and staff mm-hmm. like techniques and things that they can do to be more efficient and sustainable that's cool i feel like i mean in our area especially like local government and maybe the state doesn't do much for we, sustainability yeah, or, recycling or anything isn't super good like of all the states i lived in they've done the least and so i feel like mm-hmm. information can do a lot to help because i'm sure there's a lot of people in the area that want to be more sustainable create less waste and all that but yeah so giving them ways to do it making it easier for just them. give me an opportunity to to make a better impact than that and um something i'm passionate about and something that 
I am considering doing for a career, um, like going into corporate responsibility, corporate social responsibility. Uh, okay. um, potentially, I talked with like sustainability, like so corporate responsibility as far as sustainability goes. Yeah, not yeah. corporate responsibility like HR, like when things go down. You yeah, know, different. I mean. So they like each not each company, but most companies have a, a corporate social responsibility director. Mm. I talked with the director at Newskin. She's cool. super cool, and uh, I don't know. It just seems cool. Like there's the the social part with like paying employees, right, and like people from other countries and all that. Like, and she worked with like Nike. Impact on different communities. Yeah, she worked. She worked with Nike and um, was like trying to get the conditions better because it wasn't necessarily Nike's faults i mean like it kind of is because they're working with those factories but it's like you know making sure they choose good factories and the right, factories that are their like, partners are using good labor yeah. practices and treating yeah. so she worked with nike a number of years ago just to to help them get in in like in good shape sure. in that regard yeah, yeah. and then now she's she's working with new skin and her she does a variety of things but she's mainly working with designers right now making sure that the packaging and sustainable and cool. friendly and so i think for me i really like art and design and business i think that position would be fun for me just to like be a project lead and to collaborate yeah. with people and and so like be able to do design stuff but also business stuff and so yeah it has marketing involved with it too which is also yeah. something you're interested in and so just like exploring that i think would be fun for me totally so. that's cool too especially because it's kind of been a hot topic the past couple months is like fast fashion mm-hmm. and companies like h&m is the one that comes to mind that i see people posting about where they work with like manufacturers in smaller countries that use pretty unethical labor practices yeah. that exploit workers and pay them pretty horrific wages and put them in awful conditions and so that's pretty cool that's like something that the world needs more of is people like watching out for that and keeping companies accountable and making sure that they're doing things the right way so that's what cool totally yeah and just talking with um heather at new skin um thanks heather <laughs> yeah honestly thank you apparently companies get like rates on how good they are oh like a grade yeah pretty oh. much in terms of, like social like from the government or is there like a there's there's, part, there's like an association that like mm. will go around and like rate their like, practices and stuff interesting and in terms of, like both like the social responsibility but also like the environmental yeah. aspect of it and so they get rates and then people can kind of go through and yeah, see you can that, use that to see which companies, to see what companies are, you want to yeah. support that's kind of like that reminds me of the pointer institute in the united states it's a big organization that just fact checks like the news and like they're really awesome i look at their stuff all the time but it reminds me like the people that are getting the worst ratings from them are the ones that don't care yeah <laughs> and their constituents would never look it up because you know, I mean, it's the same with like fashion, those things, but it's cool. Cause like I like H and M as an example, I've bought a lot of their clothes. I have a ton of their stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that like, I, it's not that I was willingly choosing to consume someone with shady business practices. Like a lot of news, uh, outlets often are doing. It was that I just didn't know. So that's yeah, cool. Yeah. But what about, so, what about you? How I have not have been you applying been to jobs. <laughs> I've been at the same job I've been at for three years now. So radio producing which i am mediumly passionate about i enjoy it but it's not necessarily my uh my career trajectory but i've been reading a lot about the stock market this week as i'm sure a lot of people have you. been doing how as interesting well. how yeah. unique <laughs> yeah i know how quirky am i huh <laughs> I'm, 
I've got interest in anyone else has. You could say I'm a little quirky, but <laughs> yeah, it's been crazy with all this GameStop shenanigans. I don't know. How, do you do you understand what's going on? Do you feel like I've honestly I've been quite occupied. <laughs> That's true. But I've been reading a little bit. But yeah. if I could get an in-depth analysis <laughs> and recap, that would be perfect yeah. for myself, and I'm sure as well as our little nofers right, out there. All right, nofers. <laughs> Let me give you what I understand based on me reading on Twitter, which means I've been hitting the most reliable sources. <laughs> on Twitter? I mean, yeah, that's where I get most of my information. Twitter news. Yeah, twos is the cop. <laughs> Stupid. Trademark. But so, Trademark. It, so essentially, okay, I'm going to explain it as best as I understand it. And if this is totally BS, no, first, give me your opinions. <laughs> nice, very smooth. <laughs> Jordan just disrobed in like one half of a second. Just this sweatshirt. Just my sweatshirt. Yeah, <laughs> Just to clarify. Not a complete disrobing. Like, okay, man, but, I really wish we had a YouTube now. <laughs> but yeah, if this is not the way it is, then uh, hit me up. But so essentially there's this thing in stock trading called short selling. Yes. Okay. And it's where I understand it better now. We talked about this yesterday a little bit, and I now have an even better understanding because I found this really long Thank Twitter goodness. thread comparing it to Taylor Swift <laughs> albums. It was an elaborate oh Taylor Swift Help me understand so it. So now you can understand it. Uh, for real, though, I'll send you the link. <laughs> Essentially, so these hedge fund managers, right, they manage and buy and sell people's stocks for them, and they make them money, or they, and they try to make money for themselves. So essentially... Off of, like, commissions and... Well, like so they get I'll, percents back. Yeah, well, I'll tell you how to make money in this instance. So, All right. with short selling, let me go into the Taylor Swift analogy. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna read it to you. So, let's say that Taylor Swift has five CD copies of her album, right? And originally they were five dollars, but me, the CD salesman, <laughs> thinks that the reviews are really bad, so the price is gonna go down. You know, they're gonna start selling it for cheaper. Okay. Okay. So I um, will buy the CDs from Taylor for $5, and then I'm going to sell them to the 12-year-old girls for $5. And 12-year-old right? McKay in his, with his rolly backpack. I didn't and... buy the CDs. Give me a break. My sister said. I just listened. It's different. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was broke. <laughs> I probably would have. I didn't have any money. No, she's broke. I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> So essentially, I sell those CDs to the twelve-year-old girls for five dollars, and then the price drops, right? So right. So post everyone's post like, sell. you know what? I don't think nineteen eighty-nine is that good. Facts. Not not like I'm throwing shade at anything on any particular album or anything, but it wasn't that good. I didn't like it. Um, so the price of nineteen eighty-nine drops to two dollars, right? So then all these twelve-year-old girls are like, this album sucks says the internet so i don't want it anymore so i buy it back from them taylor swift's not cool anymore yeah crazy i don't want the cd so i buy it back from them at two dollars okay right so i make that three dollars back i see okay so i, I sell it to them for five dollars i buy it back for two right and then because i borrowed the cds slash stocks i return them mm-hmm. to taylor herself in person in her penthouse. You know her? Yeah, we're, we hang out. Dang. So essentially, what was going on is that these these hedge fund managers were short-selling GameStop. So they were trying to drive down the stock, which GameStop's, GameStop has already been like a medium company. They haven't been like that yeah. valuable. 
And so by driving down the value, they can then make a ton of money by short selling and getting their stocks back, whatever. So essentially Reddit, the slightly scary internet chat room website that I've never really used very much because I'm intimidated Why by it. Why are you so afraid of Reddit? Okay, there's I think some, Reddit is legit. There's some good stuff on there, but there's also... I know I there's know, bad stuff Maybe, it, maybe like, it's like the 4chan um, connotations have carried over to Reddit for me. 4chan really is scary. That's where... That's where uh, violence and racism abound ah i see it's essentially where QAnon was born as fortune um anyways different conversation for a different day septicon q (laughs) (laughs) oh interesting so essentially all these redditors are like hey if we buy a crap ton of gamestop stock gamestop stonks gamestop stock (laughs) gamestop stock stonks if we buy the stop from gamestop then (laughs) they will drive the prices of gamestop back up because stock market prices are determined by demand all those hedge fund managers will go broke because they'll lose money right because if they if i sell my cds to the 12 year olds at five dollars and the price goes up turns out 1989 was good not true this is hypothetical turns out the price goes up to 12 dollars then i have to buy those stocks back for um 12 dollars and i lose seven dollars so Essentially, that's what's happening with GameStop this week is that they drove the prices way up from like $4 to like $500, like not even like a small margin. And these hedge funds that were short selling GameStop big time went, I think one of the hedge funds before this happened was worth $13 billion. And by the end of it, they owed $27 billion or something. Mm-hmm. So, like, just an outrageous amount. GameStop as a company went from an evaluation of, like, $2 billion to, like, $25 billion. Yeah, I saw that. It's crazy. So, it's kind of like everyone finally realized, like, wait, we can do these things, too. Like, the stock market isn't just reserved for the 1% elite Wall Street. Or just normal people who are trying to get investments. Yeah. Such as someone. What are you saying? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neither of us have ever invested. No way. JK. I don't have any any money in GameStop, but I've got my, my couple hundred pesos out there floating around. I see you. I see you. Yeah. But anyway, so what's really crazy is then... A couple days later, Robinhood, which is an app. Have you used Robinhood? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you used Robinhood. I, I use it for, like, experiment stocks. Okay. Because most of my investing is with long-term is like, diversified. ETFs. Yeah. So, apparently, Robinhood, there's a clause in the terms and conditions where when you set up your account, you're, you don't technically have a cash account technically you're borrowing the stocks from Robinhood. Mm-hmm. So technically when you buy and trade stocks on Robinhood, they own all those stocks, which what that means is that they can sell your stocks without your permission. So Robinhood, which has some pretty hefty ties to some of these big hedge funds in wall street. One of these hedge funds that was losing all this money has like direct connection to the founders of Robinhood. I don't remember the exact connection. They, First thing they did was they blocked buying stocks from GameStop and AMC was the other company mm-hmm. yeah. that this is happening to, which was ridiculous. I mean, a lot of Congress people were coming out and being like, this is bogus, like, you know, the system, but they're within their right to do that because these people don't technically own their stocks. Legally, Robinhood is in control. And then Robinhood started selling the stocks back to GameStop, which drove GameStop's prices back down at least a little bit and started making money back for hedge funds. So it's just been like... 
it feels like like <laughs> a communist dream. Like this is a a Marxist proletariat overthrowing the bourgeoisie moment if I've ever seen one, where it's like the people realize that they can band together and spend four dollars on a, a single share from GameStop and make a hugely wealthy hedge fund in Wall Street lose twenty four billion dollars. So it's like. I don't know. Everything's a mess. Well, it's, a, it's a huge moment in stock history. Yeah. I just remember, I remember there was, I think it was in the 90s, there was like, when chat rooms were becoming a thing, this guy right. would go around and be like, hey, you guys should invest in blank and blank, blank, just like drive up the value of the stock. Right. And that became illegal. And then this way, from what I understand, has been legal. It's just like people like, hey, just like invest. Like, right. Let's just do it together. And I guess I guess what the difference is like the guy in the '90s was like lying about it, saying like, "Hey, this is gonna boom here in a second, like lying to people," but he was driving it up. But this is just like, "Hey, like this is just people just put our money in. Like, let's just all buy this stock." Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool, but it's also like it's just kind of crazy, and yeah, I feel change. bad. For, I feel like it's like, gonna change it indefinitely. I feel bad for like the auditors and like the people working these companies, like trying to figure out everything. Like, it, they must have been slammed yesterday, like yeah, all nighter. Like, it's a tough situation because it's like. I totally band with like these common people buying stocks, making it's, yeah, it's lots cool. and lots like, of money off of this. I do have empathy for these people losing billions of dollars, but then at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. It's like you had billions of dollars to start with, and you were kind of playing this exclusive game that, like, banking on the fact that, like, we could have done this all along. You know, it's not yeah. like anyone's breaking any rules doing this. Totally. I feel like Wall Street just kind of relies on the fact that they can make it kind of an exclusive club by kind of obfuscating their systems and their processes and, and hiding behind these degrees when really, like, anyone can buy and sell stock. And I don't know. So it's just like, it's crazy. It's been a crazy week. Yeah, no, it's super, it is cool just to see, like, something new, trying to, like, disrupt the system a little bit. You're challenging an idea, a system of how things are. Sure. And, like, the short-selling business is kind of lame. Yeah, it's shady. <laughs> you know, it kind of it sucks for the investors. Yeah. I mean, they're exploiting them, and these problems are now on people's minds, and it's been brought to the attention. So yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how things change and move forward totally. from this. It'll be, yeah, I think it'll be totally different. I mean, I hope it is. I hope it's a less exclusive, more public system of trading, buying and trading stocks. I saw a tweet today. It's called Four Wednesdays in January. The first Wednesday of January, um, the Capitol was attacked by insurrectionists, egged on by politicians. Second Wednesday in January, they signed the impeachment of Donald Trump. Third Wednesday in January was the inauguration of Joe Biden. And then fourth Wednesday of January was... um, this uh, stock market game GameStop garbage so it feels like it's been a thousand years since the year started Uh, (laughs) it's freaking wild (laughs) what a way to put that yeah anyways that's what's been going on that's that's how my week has been I haven't haven't done a lot of homework (laughs) thanks Obama (laughs) (laughs) thanks Obama (laughs) yeah I mean what a time to be alive for real like wild times what a stressful week are you doing all right yeah i'm good (laughs) (laughs) tired it's friday i get to sleep in tomorrow i like every morning of the week i am just thinking about saturday morning like oh i don't have to get up at 4 30 don't have to get up at 4 30 don't have to get up at 4 30 it's gonna be so nice yeah i think that like every day 
Oh, I don't have to get up ever. <laughs> <laughs> ever. Cheers <laughs> for that. Oh man. But then every once in a while, something will happen at work. We'll have a holiday or something where I don't work in the morning, and I'll work in like mid-afternoon, and I'm like, oh man, I love working at four thirty in the morning. <laughs> I hate working at like two p.m. That's a know. hard time to work. I'm just so tired, and it's like I just want to be done. Yeah, I get you. I've been kind of addicted to like starting my day at five, but be done by like two, let the latest, you know. And then I just do homework and whatever. But what time do you go to bed usually? Um, in an ideal world, seven thirty. <laughs> no, I've never gone to bed at seven thirty. Because like, wow. Because <laughs> this no week comment. I've gone to bed after midnight almost every night, so it's oh, been a pretty shoot. tiring week. But it's like it's I haven't even been that slammed with schoolwork. I've just been irresponsible. Oh, that's good. Oh. You know? We're just like, oh, I'll just watch one more episode of the show. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like we'll do our homework and we'll finish our homework at like ten, and then we're like, okay, like we could go Play to bed, time. but like this is like our free time. Yeah, it's like no, I guess if you. I go to bed, I'm straight back into school and work. Like let's yeah, just watch the yeah. show for a couple hours, and then it's twelve thirty. No, like, I oh, like. Man. Saturday nights or whenever, right? Like Friday, Saturday night. I'm like, oh sweet! I like finally have. Like I finished my homework. Usually, like last semester, I would finish my homework at like midnight Saturday night. I know right. I sound crazy, but like I was just, crazy. Like, I was just like slam. Wow. <laughs> And so I would get done at midnight, or I had to like turn in what I had at midnight. And yeah, like, get done at midnight, or sweet, hit like, submit at midnight, whatever's written down. I'm finally free. Like I can do whatever I want, yeah. but everyone's like asleep already. The last so thing like, you want to do is just go straight to bed. All right, I guess I'm just gonna watch a movie <laughs> yeah. by myself. Like, yeah, I sound super lame, but that's what. But happens. it makes sense. Like it's like a thing where it's like people want to feel in control of their free time. And so it's yeah. like if you're working late nights or whatever, like oftentimes even if you have to work early, people will like stay up super super late as like a self punishment mm-hmm. because like they want to be able to take advantage of the time they have free, even when they don't really have free time. So it's like no, honestly, like I'm like I get done, I'm like oh I'm so tired and I want to go to bed, but, it's like, but I'm free I now. I, I can do whatever I want. I want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I have to I have to make this count. I've started taking this week pre breaks. Pre-breaks. It's where you take a break before you start doing the thing that you're taking oh. a break from. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> Wait, it's a really smart way to procrastinate, actually. <laughs> it's just like, oh, aren't you, you going to start your paper tonight? Like, oh, yeah. Well, I'm taking a break first. <laughs> Get the break out of the way. <laughs> it's inevitable, so I have to take it now. Yeah, speaking of, I have a paper due in 24 hours and 23 minutes that I haven't started, so. Well, uh, swag, I guess. <laughs> So there's these two books that I really... Bible? Old Testament, New Testament, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I actually already have those. Big flex, I know. But <laughs> So... Placed by the Gideons <laughs> in your hotel room. Okay, sorry. I'm not letting you finish the sentence. <laughs> so, like, my, my wish list right now is these the two books, design books. One is from Nike. And it's going through, like, their design philosophies, their design approaches, and now, like, their sustainability they're now implementing. It looks super cool. And it's made out of recycled materials. It has clear binding and a coating over it. And, like, the covers are, 
like this hardened cardboard it's like just looks super cool and i want it so bad and then virgil abloh who is virgil abloh Virgil Abloh is... You mentioned to me like two days ago as if I already knew who he was. I, was like, no, <laughs> I thought you did. I don't. I... He's um, like the off-white guy. Okay. Like okay. the parentheses dude. Okay. Uh, Helvetica, bold, huge inspiration for me. As like a designer, right? As a designer yeah. and just like as a person, I guess. But no, I'm just. I guess. I'm like a. I'm a. I'm a big fan. I'm a man of, of science. <laughs> but he did a collaboration back in 2017 with Nike called the Ten. Okay. And so he took ten of Nike's iconic shoes and then tweaked them. He basically started this deconstructed movement that we see now with a lot of shoes, exposing different things. Interesting. So he kind of implemented that and started yeah. that trend. And so this new book is called Icons. Something's off. And um, the cover is sick. It's like this. It's this lime or like a like a green screen green. Okay. And then it has like a old swoosh that's thin and it's off. It looks strange. Right, right. It's in the but, same proportions. Yeah. So it's just it's just like it looks cool, but it goes through that collaboration and like the samples from it and kind of the thought processes towards it. And so <sighs> design books are so different from normal books. <laughs> Just because design books have lots of pictures in them and yeah. they explain processes and materials and I don't they're really they're really fun and engaging totally. to, to look at. And I have Virgil Abloh has a book basically like documenting his work and story and I have it and it's just so cool just to see like an insider access and there's there's so much information in, in these in design books that you don't find on the internet. Well, it's interesting, too, because I have not personally witnessed a design book in person. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not super familiar with them. But, like, they're books that are intended to be consumed in print, right? Yeah. And, like, the design books themselves are an example of design, and they put a lot of effort into the way they bind them and the way they design the layouts and the pages and the printing and the font typefaces and everything. And so it's interesting in a world where, like, print media is dying, whether it's news or even just books, like, mm-hmm. which... It has its upsides because save the trees, right? Yeah. But also, like, I think print media is an art form that deserves to be preserved. I think there's a lot of beauty. I love paper books. You know, I got a Kindle for Christmas and I've been reading a ton on it, but nothing rivals to me like reading like a physical book. For sure. Elon, I was watching a, an interview with Mr. Elon uh, Musk. Sir Musk. He said that the, he said there's almost something romantic about reading a physical copy book. It's true. Like I just love reading physical copies. Of the smell. It's my favorite the part. Smell. The new book. Oh my gosh. Just like the new Nike. Whenever smell. I go to the bookstore, <laughs> Michelle's always like, "Stop wiping your nose on <laughs> books." I'm like, "I'm not buying it, but I want to smell it." <laughs> uh, especially okay. Come here, you little. <laughs> this is off topic. They're, they're books. I don't. There's probably a name for it, but it's like half hardcover. I have a couple. I'll have to find one on my shelf somewhere. Um, but it's like not paperback, but it's like it's almost like a firm leather. Oh. I guess it's kind of like what Bibles are often bound like, but it's not quite as formal as that. Okay. I love I them follow. so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like... Is um, it plush at all? Like squishy? I've they, I've seen some, some like them? that. Those aren't my favorite ones, but I've seen some like that. Okay, yeah. okay. It's almost like a, like a faux leather. Yeah, kind of. yeah, yeah. The ones I've seen, it's almost just like a thick cardstock sort of thing. Got it. Anyways, they, I love those books. So a lot of times with those books, they do the thing where they like ruffle cut the end of the pages. Oh, bro. I would love that. I could that. eat that book. Yeah, I could sleep on it. You know, like I pick it up and I'm like, this is soft. I could literally use this as a pillow. 
<laughs> forget what words are in it. I just want to hold it. <laughs> Anyways. And smell it and look at it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, but like design books, you couldn't read on like a Kindle, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's well, cool. I mean, like you could, but it's not going to no, be the yeah. same. It's experience. the same as like e comic books, I feel like. I know there's a big market for those, but it's mm-hmm. just like it's not the same experience, you know? Yeah, totally. I think coming from like a design book perspective, it's, you know, you're reading about design. And then I feel like the artist or designer went so far to design a physical. Yeah, you're experiencing the design that they're talking about. Yeah, this yeah. is this is how he wants it to be portrayed and everything. And so, you know, it's just it's just cool. Like someone cared about because like, you have your books and there's like words, you know. Yeah, and that's that's fine. But like the design books, is like someone actually thought about all these elements like- and like pictures <laughs> whoa <laughs> yeah you know but, yeah, it's, but the materials of the cover it's deliberate it's like intentional yeah it, it's just it's cool and They're it's trying more to encompassing create a very specific and intentional experience for mm-hmm. the consumer and you develop a stronger connection with that designer artist and and their work because you now have a, a piece of it yeah and you're experiencing it it's interesting to me this connection between just design and designers like Virgil Abloh that are kind of also like experimental artists and like sneaker culture and this idea of the profitability of scarcity. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I don't, I don't know a fraction of what you know about sneaker culture, but from what I understand, it's like a lot of it is scarcity cultivates the culture because you know, like certain shoes are this difficult to get. I mean, it's the same kind of culture that drives collections of anything else, of Pokemon cards, of coins, or whatever. Those seem trivial, but it's like how dare you compare Pokemon, Pokemon cards to rule? <laughs> but like, there's a serious like culture of yeah, Pokemon yeah, cards yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. because they're scarce, and certain kinds are harder to get, and they get older. And so it's interesting to me how design has become, it's kind of been raised to like this level of like high fashion almost Mm. where it's like, it's like for me, it's a little bit intimidating because I see this art that I am really compelled by and interested in, but it's like a $500 buy-in to to experience it physically. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it feels like it's like this level that I can't experience myself. So I don't know. I'm interested about what you feel about that because I know that it's something that you read a lot about and are very interested in. In terms of price points um yeah and even just yeah just like it just feels like a like a barricade for like the everyday person yeah at least as far as fully experiencing it because you can obviously read and see it online and everything for free yeah pricing is so hard when it comes to this and i i you know i'm fortunate my dad's a basketball coach and so i get a lot of shoes for free sure and that's why i have so many yeah but i think it's absurd to pay a lot and i try to get whatever i can get for free i try to get or like totally i will always try to get a good deal or secondhand or whatever but i think in terms of in, in terms of price like a t-shirt you should not spend yeah that much money for you see these designers yeah they'll, they'll design a t-shirt that like it's really cool art i i am super into like with the statement that they're making it'll be like yeah. 80 bucks or mm-hmm. something crazy for like a like a normal material it's not like it's made of like 24 yeah. karat gold this is a t-shirt it's like, if it's if it's a message if uh, the proceeds will go to something if yeah that changes a little like, bit like the materials are really nice and the construction of that shirt is nice and it's like okay i can see how they got to this price point yeah but if it's just like people print on like Gildon, Gildon, yeah, just it? kind of the generic t-shirt, generic brand. yeah, t-shirt like a Hanes, yeah, and then it's like eighty bucks. I'm like, I'm not. Yeah. I can print this myself. I'll just steal the decal from like, your website. Honestly, yeah. you can do that. Yeah, I mean that's supreme. It's everywhere. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, yeah, and like it's it's not hard. And so I think 
a lot of it with the price point and like figuring out what is worth your money and time is like looking at the materials and like yeah. the actual quality of it and then also like the content in it. it's so like books sure. i guess like if a, if a book has a new idea that is inspiring to you then it's worth it right you know that's like every book you read like yeah. if it gives you one new idea then that book is worth it i think mark cuban said that i'm pretty sure yeah the the esteemed prophet and <laughs> wise man mark cuban <laughs> But he said that I think it, I just think it's I just think it's interesting though yeah. like that is the values these new ideas new concepts for us to understand totally. and you know implement into our own lives. I just think it's hard for me. I I totally agree with you. I I don't necessarily I understand why artists do this. You know, it's hard to make a living as an artist. Totally, and it's a different kind of pay curve as other careers because it's all based on what content that you create, especially as these more experimental and artists tackling social issues and not necessarily producing things that are meant to be consumed by the masses like a youtube video or a song mm-hmm. or something like that but it's i almost feel like and we kind of we talked about this when we were taking our marketing class together it's kind of like apple obviously they're going to charge as much as they can because they want to make as much money as they can yeah but at the same time you also want to charge more because high price brings with it kind of a level of prestige in the eyes of the consumer, totally right? Exclusivity. Like this is high art. This is Yeah. So as an artist, really... if those t shirts that cost them four dollars to make, if they charge fifteen bucks for it, it doesn't seem like art. Like I charging eighty dollars kind of I feel like it gives them this clout, like this esteem as a yeah. which I understand, but it's just frustrating to me because it becomes so impenetrable for the person who wants to consume art but isn't a wealthy collector, you know. I mean it's it's a hard balance because i understand the need because i think of like andy warhol and his whole campbell soup can Uh campaign you know which the whole thing was about like mass manufacturing and reproducibility and like is it art just because we say it's art and you know this is like a simple design that's been reproduced 50,000 times but it's art because I put it in a museum but it's also something that you have in your house you know it's like it's interesting commentary on like manufacturing and mass production but at the same time like he sold those prints for so much money you know and it's like all his commentary on how much things are worth and things and at the end of the day it's still to call it art you have to charge a lot of money for it you know I think too once you get a name yeah, then you can that's charge true. more. That's true. Yeah. But I, I think printing is a special medium, and I think it's making a comeback. Yeah. I think, you know, in the coming years, like it is right now, it's getting more um, importance, but I think in the coming years, it's going to be more valued. That's just going to be the trend. Like, reverting back to blogs, like we said last week, but I think print is still, you, you know, like, <laughs> to, to be determined. To be seen. You know. <laughs> but yeah. Just, I guess, another, another, uh, prediction for me i think print is going to be yeah. will gain more importance moving forward and i know like they're going to start printing more sustainably as well yeah um, and well and i think books too are different too i guess i'm thinking of kind of just high art and design yeah, in yeah. general i do think like a design book i don't know how much like they're charging for those books i'm sure it's a little steep but slightly but i understand that a little bit more but you know? probably coming from a photographer standpoint like it totally. costs so much to print prints <laughs> yeah no totally you know yeah but like i appreciate like one of my favorite photographers chris Bricard. i bought his book a few months or i guess it was before covid so it was like eight or nine months mm-hmm. a year ago i guess last winter and it was like 35 bucks 
which it's like a full bleed, like 10 inch by 12 inch book. It's huge, like really beautiful printing and like 35 bucks. That's a great deal, you know? And like, I appreciate, like, I know he's, I don't pay that price and feel like he's like undercutting me and trying to steal money from me, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I appreciate that a lot from him. And for you to get that book, why, why was it important for you to buy that and to have that? Well, one I know you're a big fan. I met him in person and so I had to get something for him to sign. <laughs> but two, I, I, I agree. Uh, similar to like design with photography, it, it's a different experience when experienced in print, when physically experienced. Yeah. Like I when I look at landscape photography on my phone, it means nothing to me. Like I can't say I've ever seen a landscape photo on my phone giving me pause and taking my breath away because mm. everything looks so manufactured. It's really easy to Photoshop landscape photography. Yes. But then when you see a really good landscape photo printed like four feet across, you know, you have to physically step back to take it in. Like those are the kind of photos that take your breath away. Like this book that I got from him or Michelle actually got me a print of his for my birthday. And it's like, which is sick. Yeah. And it, I love it. And it's awesome. And it's a, it's a different experience. So I totally understand the same with design and especially the coolest thing with the design books like i was saying is that just like the book itself is a piece of their design it's a piece of their art that Mm -hmm. also documents their art and i think that's so cool which again understandably means a higher price point but i i do think i understand that a little bit more than some of the the retail clothing like an apparel yeah Yeah. actually like going to that they've kind of been exploited a little bit in the past couple weeks for absurd prices but i do think Again, if you look at the materials and techniques and how it's constructed and what went into it, you can understand why it's more expensive. Right. But again, if you can't, like a t-shirt is not worth $500. Yeah. Like. Yeah, for real. I think in the the article I read. With Supreme on it or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Like in an article I read, like the, someone that worked at Gucci or something like that, I believe it was Gucci. It only cost them four bucks to make this shirt, Man. and they're charging like four hundred. It's crazy, like insane. Go margins. to Chinatown, get a fake one. Like <laughs> no one will know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I have two fake Nike hats I got for two bucks each on the streets of Queens. <laughs> they rule, and they look identical. They just don't have the tag on the inside that says "manufactured." These specifications of yeah, China, yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. So anyways. every time I see them, I'm like, dang, this is sick. Like I'm such an athlete right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I exact specifications. But yeah, uh, I have I have a real Nike Yankees hat and a fake Nike Yankees hat. The fake one is so much comfier. So really, there's my plug for fake apparel. I feel like okay, because this is something I've been thinking about. So I I own a fake shirt from Virgil Abloh. Okay, it's sold out. Wait, it's fake from Virgil Abloh or it's so a it's, fake it's of Virgil it's Abloh's like work? it's from it's a replica of Virgil Abloh's okay, okay. shirt. So yeah, it's a true fake. A true fake, yes. Okay, okay. But it was sold out, and I liked the shirt, and I was like, it's a shirt. Like, I'm not going to spend yeah. a ton of money on it. And it's not like he's an independent struggling creator that you're Yeah, like he's, he's doing, he's doing well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it is, like, if I know the artist and, like, they're struggling and stuff, like, you want to support them. But I felt, like, it, for me personally, I felt like it was okay. I still feel kind of like I'm, like, cheating it sure. a little bit. But, like, I felt justifiable to buy replicas and fakes. I don't know. What is your take on that? I don't know. I... I can't say I'm like committed enough to any brands or creators where I've felt the need to before. Mm. Living when I lived in New York for a couple of years, it was a unique situation in that on every street corner there were people selling things with like logos on them that were fake. Yeah, yeah. At that point, I was just kind of like, oh, I wanted a Yankees hat, and it was two fifty. So I was like, well, I'll pick it up. But I don't know. I I do think that like there's 
something to be said for like legality and you want to respect ip and if i was a creator regardless of how well i was doing it would be pretty offensive to me for people to be making money off of my work totally um so that's a hard thing it's the hard thing is i mean it's the same as like plagiarism it's just someone profiting off of something they didn't create so that doesn't that rubs me the wrong way but i don't know i I can't say i've had to confront it very much because again i haven't really been like that concerned with getting a specific product or anything you know what i mean it is it's a topic that's brought up a lot in the sneaker community sure yeah because replica sneakers are not i don't know it's kind of tacky a little bit depending on the sneaker well and that's the whole thing with a market like that is like the whole um, respectability of a market of scarcity like sneakers or Pokemon cards mm-hmm. depends on authenticity, right? Yeah. Because if you can manufacture fake holographic first generation Charizard cards, which as of right now retail for like $700,000, like the, the whole market is in the tank. Like, So yeah, it's like yeah. everyone wants real products because they depend on the fact that they're real. As a collector, like it doesn't mean anything to have a fake one. You yeah, know? yeah. So yeah, I totally get why it's it's tacky. It's no one like the respect isn't there. You know, the whole culture leans on the authenticity of the products that they're collecting. Virgil Abel actually kind of invites it. He's like, make your own. He's huh, like, so- like his platform and his mentality is like what I'm doing. He's he's very open about his process and like cool. doing stuff. And he's working. He he set up a scholarship fund to help black designers cool so he does a lot for the community he's just very open like he even has a website called public domain about helping getting your brand started and everything but he's just like anyone can do this like i want the kids to know that they can do this yeah like this isn't an unattainable level of artistic yeah he's like anyone can do this he's like it's not hard to print on a shirt yeah and if someone copies my design it's like it's cool it's like that's what i used to do when i was a kid i think that's like kind of cool it's just like disrespecting that this is a process and yeah, not acting as if he has some unattainable level of creativity that no yeah. one else has. Yeah, he's like, I made it to this point, I'm good. He's like, giving back to Empowering the Empowering other creators. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like, it's so cool to see, and I really like him a lot, and would highly recommend checking him out. I will say, <laughs> the the shoe I've been most tempted to ever own a fake of is the Nike Air Mag. Sickest yes. shoe of all time. Yes. That's, for those yeah. of you unfamiliar, me and, me, I wouldn't have been familiar if I didn't just Google it because I forgot the name of it. Me it's, in fifth grade, was I was like going through all the chinese replica sites trying to find some i was like should i do it that's I don't know. Uh, marty mcfly's shoes from the second back to the future that he gets in the future that the zip up so automatically sick. and they made real ones like they did seven and a half of them it feels like they made like a limited supply and all the well, money went to parkinson's didn't it? yeah 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 it was a fundraiser for a good cause but oh they're so sick though there's yeah they're so sick dude back to the future 2 was like as a kid it's my favorite one was just far. insane i really just the hoverboard i spent hours trying to figure out like i like looked up online like how could a hoverboard be possible like <laughs> was i had, like diagrams of the hoverboard right. how the science worked and Dude, i was like that's great i can totally I know, make this i know as a kid i was just like i would give anything to have a board like that right so cool right Even the pink one <laughs> so cool or the pitbull the pitbull board your boy doesn't ride on water <laughs> sucker but yeah the air mag is sick yeah so so cool it's probably a little bit out of my uh, stylistic range as far as clothes like yeah <laughs> i don't know if i'm going as adventurous to wear a shoe like that
Thank you for listening to Opinions That No One Asked For or Atnof. Atnof is hosted by me, Jordan Siderud, and McKay Menden, who also did the editing. Original music for this week was done by Mr. Tyson Siderud. Make sure to reach out to us on social media and tell us what we should give our opinions about in the future. I love you, most likely. We'll see you next week. Except for that one guy. <laughs> you know who you, you are. You know who you are. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha